We're not leaving this place unless we have a ring. We got MV Pat on that side of the ball. We got the uh, fastest, the best receiver core in the league. And our defense, Sag Nation, baby. They're going to make a movie about this. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. There was a little window in there where I thought we might have a couple of weeks of having very few things to talk about, and wow, I was wrong. Patrick Mahomes, half a billion dollar deal over the course of the next 12 seasons, and now, after that gets wrapped up, the Kansas City Chiefs deliver Seth Kaiser's birthday present in July that's what we'll be talking about here on Times Ours. Happy Chris Jones week. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Nate Taylor, I'd like to, I'd like to hear your voice first, just because I know it might be the only time I hear it for the next 45 minutes or so. I just want to let everybody know that it's a four year deal worth 80 million with incentives that can get it to 85 million. With that officially being said, and the contract being signed as the day that we are recording this on Wednesday. We have called the play for one Seth Kaiser. I'm going to be in one corner of our, you know, podcast bubble. Josh is going to be in the other corner. <laughs> Seth's at the top of the key. Let this man go. Seth, chest pass. All yours. Pull up. Uh, the great Matt Saracen once said, I've always got one more. And I, what you're going to be asking me in about 45 seconds is, how many more footballs do you have to spike, Seth? (laughs) And my answer is going to be, I always have one more. I always got one more. Let me just, I just, you know what? I'm just going to read a statement or parts of a statement here. A statement from GM Brett Veach and Andy Reid, reported by the unmatched Nathaniel Taylor. I'd like to thank Chris and his representatives, Jason and Michael Katz. Shout out to Jason and Michael. Well done, boys. For their effort in getting this deal done, Chiefs GM Brett Veach said. Chris is an elite defensive tackle in our league. Long pause. <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't pause. in there. That's, that's editorializing. I just want to make it Yeah, he, he actually, he, no, I'm not editorializing. He put long pause here. And there's no better example of that than his impact. Long pause. <laughs> Long pause. In our Super Bowl, which what, what's that number? I don't know. 54 victory. That's right. He's a passionate player and a guy who loves Kansas City. He wanted to be here with us, and it was a priority for us to keep him here. Long pause. Long pause. Longer pause. Do you have any more pauses? I always got one more pause. Here's the deal. I, I have been, you know what, Josh? I'm going to paraphrase you. Okay. This is the one hill. And like, I, I take a lot of stances and I joke around with a lot of people and all this stuff. And I have tremendous respect for literally everyone and everywhere. Mm-hmm. But this is the one hill I've been willing to die on for the last year plus. I have been willing to die on this hill. That Chris Jones is an elite player. They would be insane to let him walk. That they do value him. That all these objections about him were insane. This time last year, people were like, well, you know, maybe they're wondering if he'll fit into Steve Spagnuolo's defense. <laughs> I heard I had so many people say that to me on Twitter. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, 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 
do you think Steve Spagnolo can't fit in an elite pass rusher? Like, is he like, oh, I don't even know what to do with this guy. Oh, he's so good at winning one-on-one. That doesn't fit at all. I need a guy that just gets, you know, steamrolled at the line of scrimmage and can't beat blockers one-on-one. Just, just plug the B-gap, Chris. Yeah, just plug the B-gap, Chris. It's like, well, don't you think he might want more uh, traditional nose tackles? What, at the three-tech? Why? Why? Why would he want that? So here's what I'm going to say. Every other time, I feel like, because I've been wrong about tons of things. I remember when I wasn't that excited about Juan Thornhill. Holy crap, I'm an idiot. But here's the deal. This is the one hill I was willing to die on, and guess what? Here I am alive. (laughs) I ain't dead at all because I have the high ground. I am on this hill. I'm on top of it because Chris Jones is an elite defensive tackle who always was a priority for the Kansas City Chiefs. They were always going to get this done after they got Mahomes done, as I believe, and this is how I might pass the ball off here because someone else in this podcast, well, both of you actually, deserves to do some dunking. And our very own Nate Taylor has been reporting this for like a year. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah, the Frank Clark contract, that's the, that's the, that's what they're looking at. That's the template. Yep. They, 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 they haven't been talking much, but they know the numbers. It is a priority. They're going to get Mahomes done first. Nate, you've been saying this. And everyone was like stunned this week. Like, wow, you know, it's so weird. It was like they used the Frank Clark contract as a template and we're waiting to get Patrick Mahomes done. Who could have predicted that? And so, Nate, I'm passing the ball back to you because I finally, Got no more dunks left. <laughs> no more. But it was always going to happen. And I told you, dear listener. I Okay, nope, nope. Now that it's out, I got a few more. I told you so. I said it. And then I said it some more. And then I said it in more snarky ways. And then I showed more stats. And then I showed more film. And I told you. Whew. Um, that felt great. Me, me and Josh are just like, hey man, take take on all the double teams. I don't care. Yeah. I'll just I'll just stand here <laughs> yeah. and watch. Like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I, I'm okay with this. Um, uh, one, thank you. Yeah, I mean, two. Um, this is a this is a rarity in my business where you know you have a true understanding of the situation and you really have no. I mean, obviously, I don't have any stakes in this. I don't have like any any way of deciding what happens. But I was clear in terms of trying to explain as best I can contextualizing what the situation was. And then, you know, a kind subscriber shout out to Tim G who was the first person in my mailbag on Monday who, who over the weekend asked, okay, they got my homes done much like we had talked about in the last episode. How much does this change? And I was pretty clear and confident that this kind of was a, was a significant decision that the chiefs had done. And that while Patrick Mahomes got the largest contract in American sports history, kids, um, he was still somewhat selfless because he delayed his big paydays for like multiple years, which helped his boy, Chris Jones. And so in my mailbag, I predicted accurately and exactly like it even kind of blew my mind because just looking at the numbers, doing some dilly dabbling on you know, over the cap, which again, I encourage everyone to do if you really want to understand how to team build and, and roster construction and the understanding of like how to like move money around, just like go on their calculator and just start filling in numbers because it's, it's wildly fun. And I got to the point where I was like, I think the most logical thing for them to do to make both sides happy is like a four year, 
80 million deal where he, you know, on a per annual basis is around $20 million. I wrote this on Monday and then a couple of friends have, a couple of friends have called me and basically been like, so Brett just wanted to check with you, right? Like Brent Tillis, (laughs) Brent Tillis just wanted to see like where you stood on it before like they approached, you know, Clark Hunt to get the authorization. And then they, they, you know, they, they sent the fax or the email to Chris and the Katz brothers, his agents. Um, but yeah, I, I basically said for for twenty, it's essentially in reality, folks, a three year deal. Yep. I think that fourth year is basically fake. Um, it's fake money because they're gonna have to figure that situation out when we get to the to the fourth year of, of Chris Jones's contract. But yeah, he got what he wanted. Twenty was the number. He at, at he was willing to concede. Okay, if I could just be tw- a twenty million dollar a year player. Um, I'm cool with that. Like, like I, like it was clear pretty early on, even as of last year, he wasn't going to get Aaron Donald money. Uh, cause again, no one's Aaron Donald, but like he just wanted to be on par with this force Buckner. Uh, he wanted to be a little bit more than Fletcher Cox, which he already got. So he just kind of slid right there. And the chiefs were saying, Hey man, if you want this to happen, we'll guarantee a little more money down the road than we normally would. But like, we're not going to cut you a check today. Is that cool? Cause we ain't got no cap space, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris was like, all right, that's fine. Cause in reality, I understand. And I'm sure his agents told him it's really a three year deal wrapped around a fourth year deal. You can get to that fourth year if you continue to play at a high level, mm-hmm. but honestly, it's a three year deal. You're the, the crazy thing was he kind of gets what he already had on the franchise tag which was part of my story yesterday is like that number really doesn't change. It just escalates as you get to year two and year three, obviously. So he gets what he wants. The chiefs sort of figure that if he was willing to just be, um, you know, a fellow employee who understood the the greater landscape, much like Patrick Mahomes, much like Sammy Watkins, everybody would be happy. And so um, I will throw this to you guys, but as I wrote yesterday and as anybody that I talked to in the organization sort of, you know, voiced this despite drafting Patrick Mahomes in 2017, despite having the best free agent signings they've ever had in their history a year ago when Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, whether you wanted to, you know, trade, whatever, but free agency, but those two guys, everyone pretty much is saying to a man, this is probably like the greatest offseason in Kansas City Chiefs history. And that's after they won the Super Bowl because they maneuvered in a way that very few teams in the NFL can. I think it's less than four teams in this league could have probably replicated what the Chiefs did mm-hmm. um, based on talking to a couple people around the league. And so it is a monumental uh, sort of – I mean, they don't give out banners for offseason, you know, you know, uh, competency, but mm-hmm. the Chiefs did a, a, a pretty remarkable job given what the circumstances are. And I just think for you guys, how much of this – could we really have expected when we got to the combine in February and just how wild is it that their plan essentially worked because everybody was willing to adhere to the plan and yet everybody still got paid relatively appropriate to what they should make on a market right now that is very fluid because of the whole COVID-19 situation? That's a good question, Nate. And I like this thing where we're just going to, I think we just keep passing it around while we all get some shots off on something we were right about this whole time. So I'll go next. This is a great (laughs) format. 
The Chiefs had $177 in salary cap space on March 30th of this year. Wow. That, that was the pandemic had started. That was this offseason. They had $177 in cap space. And now, franchise tag deadlines come and gone for everybody. They're the only team except for the Browns that has really gotten anything substantial done. The Browns, Titans, and Chiefs have paid money, but the Chiefs did it for Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones, and the Titans have paid uh, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Like, we can have, you know, uh, you split hairs. I think I'd probably take the Chiefs hey, out of I'm that. Just, but, hey, you know. AFC Championship rematch part two. Let's go. That's <laughs> like, fine. I'd, I would accept that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Here is the thing that, that for me, I, that we haven't really talked about that much that I think is, is so fascinating in the deal getting done with Chris Jones, the, the $177 in cap space on March 30th. The the cap may not be, as Seth and I have many times discussed, fake. It, it, it exists. It's a real thing. But my God, is it malleable? Is it something that, in the right hands and with a decent long view here, can be moved and, and manipulated to fit what you want to, to make happen within the, 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 the confines of it? And now look, Mahomes could have screwed this up by saying, I want you to trash my my fifth year. I want to raise rent. I want I want I want my money immediately, and I want it constantly. That would have changed things absolutely. But Patrick Mahomes was really the only person here who could have stopped the Chiefs from having the space to sign Chris Jones. And even then, there are things you can do to create cap space constantly. That was something that we've been banging the drum on. The, for an entire the entire offseason now saying hey this is not an issue of can the Chiefs sign Chris Jones yes they can the question and this is something where where again Seth has been on on the right side of this one but it's an absolutely fair question to say well how much do the Chiefs actually value him because they haven't paid him like they value him yet and now fair. they obviously have here's the thing that I am hoping to get out in front of because I can see it happening. I've already seen it happening. In fact, I'm, I already may be chasing it down. But because of the way Mahomes' deal is structured, the Chiefs have three more seasons of Patrick Mahomes at a financial salary cap value. He's, he's making his normal rookie deal number in 2020 around $5 million. In 2021, it's around $25 million. And in 2022, it's around $31 million. And then in 2023, it jumps up to about 42 and a half. These three years where Patrick Mahomes is still a financial bargain for the Chiefs will be the widest their Super Bowl window is ever going to get. Like it's continuing through 22 and then they're going to have to reopen that window with the other guys they put around Mahomes. But right now they have an incredible sweet spot they can continue with here and they're now doing it because Jones will be here through 22. Once you get to 2023 when that number goes up again. They have under contract right now Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones on a probably fake fourth year, Frank Clark on a pretty flexible, his first really flexible year, and Harrison Butker, who they could cut if they just simply felt like it in 2023. Once you get to that point, this team is totally different, or at least it can be built around Patrick Mahomes. I've used this analogy many times now, but if you're you're decorating a bedroom, the Chiefs already have their like luxurious king size bed placed in there. They're not gonna have to figure that out after <laughs> the fact. And they'll decorate around Patrick Mahomes. They've got Frank Clark and Chris Jones and also Harrison Butker, weirdly. They're already you've got some big pieces of furniture in there already. 
Now you can decorate around them with the, all these other pieces that will get there. And that's still three full seasons down the road from now. In the meantime, they have Chris Jones again, who is not just, by the way, th- this isn't just like good player, good thing, keep the band together, hashtag run it back. Uh, somewhere we lost the plot, I think, in this conversation where Chris Jones became like this luxury where I feel like all three of us have been talking about him as a foundational piece of what makes this team so right. excellent. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's in the next tier of dudes. And they now have him locked up through the remainder of this window where Mahomes is super cheap. It is honestly just a a remarkable turn of events because – let me just paint a picture for for our listeners and um you know shout out to you guys being along this kind of wild roller coaster of an off season yeah. cuz it has not stopped folks like um in 2017 the chiefs were a relative contender like relative like they were they were fine like they were doing okay they were managed by a decent general manager in John Dorsey. Their coach was obviously sort of their best asset at the time in Andy Reid. They had a Pro Bowl quarterback in Alex Smith. And in an offseason that was a remarkable shift in not only philosophical ways, but in um, just how to launch themselves into being much more of a contender in the AFC, because of mismanagement of the cap and disorganization issues. John Dorsey was told on like a Tuesday, hey man, um I I love you. I'm I'm with you, but we just can't do this no more. Alex Smith on like a Thursday <laughs> looked at his TV and was like, why are we trading up? <laughs> oh, we're going to get that linebacker. Hell yeah. Andy Reid on like a hot day in August was like, okay, we here now. And on a mid hot summer day in July, Clark Hunt basically interviewed Brett Veach and as long and we've all been in this situation or hopefully a lot of us have been in this situation before where you get the job interview. You are as prepared as you can be. Your homeboy mentor, whatever, is just like, hey, man, I got you suggested. I got you up for this. Like, hey, man, all you have to do is show up, answer some questions halfway decently and don't be a drunk. <laughs> and basically the job shooters. <laughs> and all I have to say is I'm just going to do some things slightly different than John Dorsey. And I've already proven that, uh, Clark, because I basically told Andy Reid, I will quit this job if you don't draft Patrick Mahomes. And guess where we are? <laughs> From where this team was in 2017 to now is just... It is, I mean, nobody saw it coming in the league. I, I will just I will just remind people that, yes, the Patriots dynasty at some point was going to have to either end or take a completely different turn. Shout out to Kim Newton. With that in mind, nobody saw that the Chiefs were going to be the envy of the league three years later. I know the league is very volatile. I know the league is primarily 
deep rooted in parity and having teams rise and fall with each year rolling along. But they have the quarterback. They have a Hall of Fame coach. They have no issues outside of a pandemic. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> like it's just it's like I, I try to talk to people and they're just like how are they so good at this? And I mean, legitimately, and it's a question worth asking. How do they keep their entire coaching staff together is a real question. Yeah. How does Patrick Mahomes get all the money, but he spreads it out in a way that every, that most NFL agents would tell you, don't you ever do that young man. Um, <laughs> how does the team be able to keep a top level pass rusher while also using the franchise tag, but in the most positive way possible in a climate that you would never use a franchise tag in most ways, as it's just like a jail cell mostly, not like a, hey, just hold, just just be patient with me, dog. Just be patient. It's going to come. And essentially, like, they gave him the money that, that Chris wanted. I mean, Sammy Watkins should not be on this team, ladies and gentlemen. I, yeah. I just want you to know that. He should not be on this team. And if, you know, Seth is willing to die on the Chris home the Chris Jones's heel. I was one of the first supporters to say, I don't know, guys. I think Sammy Watkins is coming back. As, <laughs> you were. As, you, as you were. were. You said you I was like, 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 hey, listen, Nate, man, I love you. I think you're you're great at your job. <laughs> I think you're a good person. But I think you have a drinking problem. Yeah. No, we were and legitimately like, concerned. We I know, were ready for I, an intervention. I know. I was at the I was at the combine and people were like, Are you nuts? And I'm like, I think he's coming back. And they're like, get out of here. And then three weeks later, it's just like Wait, what'd you know? And I was like, hey, man, I, you know, <laughs> we're in strange times, 2020. Who the hell knows? But, like, all these dominoes were not supposed to fall the Chiefs' way, and they have. And the biggest one yet, moving forward, is can can we have a season? Can we have any yeah. season whatsoever? I know we'll think about and discuss that in the future. But, like, as I wrote towards the end of my story, and, and guys, I wonder what you guys think of all this. Not only do the Chiefs have harmony, not only are the Chiefs accomplishing more than they have in about, I don't know, three years have they done in like 50 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, they they are in a position where they might be the most, they might have the most advantage if we actually have a season because yeah. everyone is on one accord and that is so strange when there's 53 dudes who are putting their bodies on the line for financial gain, but also a coaching staff that like needs its own sort of um, importance and feel to it. A owner who's willing to just shell out $200 million in guaranteedness during a pandemic of all times. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have no issues starting the season. And that is wild because most NFL teams have some level of issues or some level of, uh, there's a subplot that can obviously be distracting, or there's a level of like, hey, you got to handle this as the season goes along. All the Chiefs have to do is hopefully stay healthy, um, both on and off the field, and they should be one of the biggest contenders. I, I'm still, I still believe the Baltimore Ravens are chasing them down, and it's not like they're not, you know, they're they're in the rearview mirror. But the Chiefs are, the Chiefs are in a are. are I almost want to believe Chris Jones now when he told us back after the Super Bowl that the Chiefs could become the Golden State Warriors. And I feel like the Chiefs are as close to the Warriors in the NFL context of 2020 as you could possibly be. Yeah, you're 100% right. Seth, it's been far too long since you've talked, so I'll let you go now. I 
just, I love it. I actually just had someone tweet me like, hey, Seth, you probably don't remember this, but we had a pretty big argument about the Chiefs not having enough money to break Chris Jones. I was wrong. And hey, <laughs> shout out to you, man. Someone um, did that on Twitter? Someone said yeah. they were wrong on Twitter? That's there's not allowed. Hope. Go re- report him there's, for spam. There's hope it. for the world. There's <laughs> hope for the world. So I was just thinking like that Warriors analogy. Obviously, you're never going to have that in, in football, right? You're never going to have that the, a 96 Bulls. Um, in, in Josh, in 1996, the, the Bulls were really good at basketball. I know that's probably hard to believe because. Was that you know. Derek Rose? I think he was after that, right? Yes, that was his okay. early years. Okay. Um, <laughs> or something. And so, um, but when you look at this, I was, I was, I was thinking about what the Chiefs have. There is a legitimate argument to be made. And there's really only one position that I think anyone would even try to argue that the Chiefs have elite players at seven of 22 starting spots, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, right tackle, safety, defensive end, defensive tackle. No one's going to argue with six of those. The only argument you might get is with regards to Frank Clark at defensive end, Mm -hmm. to which I'd say y'all should really watch the tape down the stretch Mm -hmm. last season once, you know, he could feel his arm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and he wasn't wasn't throwing up on the team playing to new england yeah that's right and and so and so let's say let's say clark let's say clark is maybe he's not quite a top three guy maybe he's a top seven guy right yeah and that's if you're not including guys who are good players at their position well above average players at their position like juan thornhill like Traverius Ward, like I think Eric Fisher has an argument to make. And then you've also got average players at their position or decent players at the position, like Alex Okafor. You you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. you've got Anthony Hitchens, who is controversial, but he does provide a role. Yeah. Believe you me. Just mm-hmm. ask the coaches if you're ever curious. They really like that dude, and there's a reason. Ask the players what Anthony Hitchens brings. He brings more than you think. Um, please not in coverage for the love of God, but he brings more than you think in terms of having <laughs> is Aaron guys Jones still up. running. Seth, is he still oh, running? Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is still running. <laughs> but like some of these blitzes that you see being executed correctly, right. that's Anthony Hitchens. That's right. not just the coaching staff. So if you look, they are stacked, absolutely stacked, top to bottom. The one place that Josh and I were talking about on eight ten yesterday. The one area that, that you're maybe like, uh, I don't know, maybe linebacker, which honestly in Spagnolo's system with how they're doing everything, it's really not that important. Mm-hmm. And cornerback, where honestly, they've got three decent corners. Mm-hmm. And that's like the position we're the most worried about. Yes. They it was like we spent, we spent last preseason like having legitimate conversations about tight end two, and it, I, I at least acknowledge at that point like, hey, this is dumb, but we are talking about Blake then, Bell versus Deion. And then they went out and signed Ricky Seals Jones, a right. former high pick. Right. I mean, and, so the, I wa- I wanted to point out that one thing. I got one more. I, I promise. And so after that March thirtieth thing, while you were talking about that, Josh, like they had one hundred and seventy seven dollars. They had less than my oldest son has in his savings account. Like, <laughs> that's sad. Like, they had no money. And there were so many jokes. Twitter was great that day, guys. Remember when Twitter was fun? I know. I know. <laughs> um, after March 30th, on March 30th and after, the Chiefs signed Demarcus Robinson, Bashad Breland, DeAndre Watkins, or Washington, yes. Ricky Seals-Jones, Taco Charlton, Matt Moore, Patrick Mahomes, and Chris Jones. Oh, yeah, like, hey, time, hey Seth, real quick, time out. Hey, the Chiefs signed Matt Moore. Okay, cool. We're done. We, I just we needed to. We're, that, we haven't done a podcast since that happened. That's that. That's the whole show. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, we're good. I just it's it's incredible 
what they've accomplished with $177. Yes. It's unbelievable. It really is. Uh, Chris Jones earlier tweeted, uh, no BS, Brett Veach is my mother effing dog. And I'm like, I I think you could probably count on one finger the number of NFL players who have publicly tweeted something like that about their general manager. Now now it's it's higher than that because other Chiefs players are quote tweeting it. Um, Yep. But but that I think is the first time that's ever actually happened. Again, I, I, somebody and I, I will try to to find this, but somebody mentioned yesterday, and it was a really good observation by them, and and um, I retweeted them. But like, this goes back to like you know chemistry and relationships and having rapport and general admiration, love and respect for people is 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 massive in any job you have, including yep. an NFL franchise. It's just. Yep. It's it's so important because, you know, as as someone in the organization told me yesterday, the players have to buy into this. So the players deserve a ton of credit because they they were truthful to themselves about wanting to keep this 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 collective core together, um, despite the the sort of the challenges that the league presents. Um, Brett Veach had to be willing to, you know. Explain to to everybody as best he could a very fluid and and a situation and a plan that had to be adjusted on the fly number of times just because of how free agency went along. Obviously, the draft being done, you know, virtually and, you know, a pandemic obviously going to have ripple effects towards the 2021 cap salary cap number. So he had to be really good at that. Chris Shea and Brian Tillis, the cap specialist that I've written about a couple times um, they've also had to be really precise in their calculations of what they think the cap will be in a projection based you know model for 2023 24 25 um, to fit everything into this and then explain that to the players Clark hunt you know Brett Veach and then obviously those players as agents and as much as Brett Veach is getting a ton of praise and deservedly so uh based on just looking at this ob- from an objective standpoint, I don't know if enough people are talking about Clark Hunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The owner has to sign off on everything or your general manager becomes Bill O'Brien. Okay. Right. right. Like that's my Bill O'Brien dick for this week. But <laughs> the owner has to be with the plan as well. The owner has to say, is mm-hmm. this possible? The owner has to say, can I trust my coach and general manager to execute this. Can I get on a number of phone calls and explain to my players, my employees, I'm truthful about what I want to say. I'm going to follow my words with actions. I'm going to give a large chunk of my resources towards this because you've already given me a return on my investment and now I want to double on it. And I want to double it with you. And I want to double your resources and your investment in all of this. And as much as Brett Veach gets um, credit, and it's funny to me because we posted a story earlier this week where a couple of anonymous agents were, you know, not thrilled with Brett Veach. But that it's kind of <laughs> just the back and forth of that. It was hilarious um, mm-hmm. in the context of this week. But I think ownership needs to matter. And, you know, I may have I, I needed to say this more and I'll say it here. But like. Not only is Clark Hunt sort of 
solidifying and creating his own legacy on top of his father, Lamar Hunt, the founder of the organization. The reason the team is in Kansas City to begin with. Um, he is Clark Hunt is also the head of the NFL Finance Committee. I don't know, probably the most important committee in the league right now. And yeah, yeah. Clark Hunt, with the understanding of what Brett Veach has told him, how Brent Tillis and Shea and Chris Shea have tried to sort of given a, a, a decent indication on where things may go moving forward. Um, Clark Hunt has intimate knowledge about where the finances of this league may be headed forward. Obviously that is in relation to like the mega contracts that the league may get from big television networks or I don't know, streaming platforms known as like Apple, Amazon and Netflix. Hell Disney plus make it the games on Thursday night guys. And I'm not joking. Um, so, Clark Hunt understands all of this and was willing to be bold himself. And you can't do this without ownership being a part of it. And it just seems like there's a level of not just competency and trustworthiness, but like everyone is good at their job to some degree on each level, players, coaches, general manager, you know, owner, but they're also willing to give people, um, their chance to sort of show their expertise in a certain segment of the operation. And that's why this has all come together in a way that has never been done before in the Chiefs' history. Um, and so Lamar gets a ton of credit for everything he did. And I think maybe looking back 20 years from now, uh, a lot of people will point to this, this stretch of Chiefs history and will realize that Clark Hunt uh, was sort of advancing a lot of the things his father had done previously. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Do you have any on that, Seth, before I, I pivot I, elsewhere? I absolutely do. I'm sitting here reading an article from January of 2013 where it says the Andy Reid waiting game continues. Uh, according to ESPN, the Chiefs are hopeful a deal can be made on Friday. Many thought the same thing on Thursday, blah, 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 blah. Reid was scheduled to fly to Arizona Wednesday night for a meeting with the Cardinals, but canceled this flight to continue discussions with the Chiefs in Philadelphia. He then canceled the second meeting. Never forget that Clark Hunt flew to Philadelphia to say, nah, dude, you are not getting on a plane. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I got oil money, dude. I don't know who you think you're going to talk to in Arizona. Like, I don't know who you think that person. Now, for all I know, let's face it, NFL owners are fabulously wealthy. But it's hard to beat old oil money, okay? <laughs> and then and then I'm looking at another article here. Clark Hunt's confidence in Andy Reid, comma, John Dorsey will ignore that part. Never faltered. This is from 2015 after because they'd hit like a 2-5 and five start. This has not been necessarily complete, smooth sailing. And if Clark Hunt doesn't do what he did back in 2013 and get on a plane and go to Philly, none of this happens. Yep. Absolutely none of this. That's why one of my favorite uh, interactions after the Super Bowl was um, Eric uh, Stone Street. Am I saying his last name right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very, you know, awesome Chiefs fan. Very funny. Um, when he talked to Andy Reid, you know, was on mic'd up and he just said, thank you. Thank you for everything, coach. And I thought that was awesome because if, if, if Reed doesn't come to Kansas City, I don't think any of this happens. And yeah. Clark Hunt's made it happen. And, I mean, Crud, he's, he's opened his wallet. He's let the football guys make football decisions. And he's intervened when it was necessary. The Pioli thing and the, the, the Todd Haley thing could have broken the Chiefs. The Romeo Cronell disaster could have broken the Chiefs. And it didn't. 
And that is a testament to Clark Hunt, who a lot of people weren't sure about when he mm-hmm. took over. And I mean, good for him. I, he's done an unbelievable job as an owner. Yeah. One thing that I can't help but think about is like this sort of slightly altered reality where, where Clark Hunt does. He gets on the plane and he goes to Philadelphia and he walks in to meet with Andy Reid. And, and you know, the one thing that could have shifted that could have changed everything is what if Clark Hunt had just smelled really bad? I think it it has to be considered, which is why I want to talk to you about Hawthorne. Because smelling good is important, and I'm not ever accusing Clark Hunt of not smelling good. I imagine he smells like old oil money, like, like in a flattering way. But you can't just not smell good and then maybe end up derailing the next decade or really couple of decades of your football franchise. Because not only is there no Andy Reid, then like you said, Seth, then there's no Patrick Mahomes. There's no dynasty that, you know, is currently uh, happening. They don't even draft Chris Jones. This podcast probably doesn't even exist. This podcast, it's certainly not called Time's Ours because Andy Reid's not even here for it. So I don't know. It's just like where this show's just called, oops, they hired Todd Haley again, the podcast. <laughs> that is where we're at. If Clark Hunt doesn't smell good, it's why it's and it's clearly the main reason that smelling good is important. I had a candle in my in my office here burning a little bit earlier because I like a good smell and good smells are important. You can you can derail again uh, franchises, relationships. Maybe maybe you uh, walk past what would have been you know the love of your life, but you smell like a you know a, a big a big uh, bin of trash, garbage. You just smell like garbage. You could have turned that around. So Hawthorne is here to do that for you. You can check out Hawthorne. They, they'll, here's what they do. You go to Hawthorne.co, C-O, not .com, .co, and for like two minutes, you can basically take, a, it's like a little BuzzFeed quiz. I took it before the show today. So I was like, oh, this will be fun. It's like, hey, what's your skin like? What kind of smells do you like? Where do you work? All that kind of stuff. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? It really, that one was weird to me, but I felt like the results checked out. And it will give you their suggestions for a bunch of their products, specifically though, their cologne set. They give you a work and a play cologne. I was paired with Citrus and Woody Work Cologne and warm and aromatic play cologne. Warm and aromatic is how I've described myself on multiple occasions, so it seems like they're doing a good job. And so if you want to check out Hawthorne and make sure you don't derail anything important in your life, go to hawthorne.co. That's hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase, hawthorne.co. That was, without question, one of the most difficult segues I've ever had to do in the history of this podcast. Someone else talk about something else now. I just imagine Clark Hunt, (laughs) knowing he has to close the deal, pulling out Sex Panther. (laughs) Presented by Hawthorne. Presented by Hawthorne. Um, Hawthorne Sex Panther. <laughs> Mark Donovan's standing there in his office. He's like, oh, uh, what's that? They've done studies, you know. You know, I'm just picturing Mark Donovan. I can just see it now. Can't you picture Ted Cruz? It's a pungent odor. It works <laughs> every time, fellas. Every time. Um, when you get to the dog days of a baseball season that's not occurring and the days before uh, sweaty training camp is about to ensue, look, oh. there's only two, there's only two scents out there. Hot garbage and sex <laughs> panther. Okay. Choose which one you going to be. <laughs> I'm watching you guys do ad rolls has been literally the greatest privilege of my life. <laughs> 
look, hot, look, you know, there you gotta have enough resources. You gotta have you gotta have flexibility. Is what is what we're really getting at here. Got and to. and Hawthorne can can give you that flexibility because of course sure. everybody's been waiting for it. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen. It is the summer. It is handle your business season. Okay, so absolutely is. Hawthorne can be that flexible tool in your tool belt to get you and your partner to the end zone, okay? Handle your business, <laughs> Hawthorne's 2020. I bet Brett Veach smelled amazing when he was negotiating that uh, Chris Jones contract. And, and uh, end ad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have something else that I wanted to, to bring up here, though, and, and uh, it's something, Seth, you and I talked about yesterday on uh, on 810. It was a tweet you had that, frankly, like I thought was probably going to get a little bit more interaction than it ultimately did, because I think this is like a really useful philosophical discussion to have, specifically revolving around Chris Jones. And, and you said, you know, people, people are saying a, a fair thing to ask, I think, is, hey, is Chris Jones worth this money or should you be spending this money to, to over more guys to add more depth to your roster? We have conversations like that all the time. I think the answer for Chris Jones is really simple, but for other guys, it's not. But but you said in response to that kind of question about like hey you know teams te- teams need to have a certain number of of above average players as far as depth goes you said you think good coaches should be able to get NFL level talent to play at an average level with easier to find players and you pay the superstars whose production can't be schemed into the defense and I would love for you to expand on that Yeah, I would love to expand on that. I think the reason that tweet didn't get quite as much traction as maybe you thought it would. In my experience, Josh, the things that I'm most proud of in this industry, like the articles that I'm like, man, I have unearthed something. Like this is like whatever. People don't pay too much attention to that. It's when you say things like, hey, look at my top 10 list in this tweet. That's (laughs) when people just lose their minds. So. The I, I really have been thinking about this a lot because people talk about it so much in terms of salary cap stuff. And what I heard someone break it down as, well, yeah, but I could have, you know, I could have two $8 million players or two $9 million players or one Chris Jones. Or I could have, and then I started extrapolating that logic, right? Which mm-hmm. brought me down a rabbit trail, you know, oh, I could have $21 million players, which obviously is straw manning people a little bit. Mm-hmm. But people really do love this idea of this mythical really good like six million dollar nfl player i don't know where these people think those guys exist yeah they they don't there's no really good free agent you're going to sign for six million bucks a year because you have to overpay for free agents and if you've got a guy who's really good for six million dollars a year you know what that means you got a little lucky yeah. right yeah you got a little lucky and you were a little more right than other people were and so you everyone at the nfl level is incredibly talented Right. And, and yes, there's, there's, there's variations, but everyone's very, very talented, especially once you get to these guys that are average players. And that's the key here. There are lots of players who are average players that are really good coach like Bill Belichick. I'm not holding anyone else to his standard because he's the best coach in history. Although Andy Reid coming for you, Bill, he coming for you. Anyway, <laughs> got a few more Super Bowls before we can start that talk to go. Um, you, you, you see him taking average players with a specific skill set and turning them into good players or even subpar players and making them average players. Now, can you take really, you know, players that are really below and turn them into average? Not usually, you know, you can't be a miracle worker, but there are plenty of subpar and average players at the NFL level who are still incredibly talented by human standards. 
a good coach should be able to take them and put them in a position to succeed. Like, let's take like a good average receiver like Demarcus Robinson, who I think in the right system can be a guy who can really contribute, right? So Andy Reid puts him in a position to succeed. He does really well, okay? Or like a Chris Conley type, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Same is true on defense. And that's where people just get obsessed with like, well, you, you need to make sure you have a lot of those guys. Like, those guys are out there. You know what's not out there? Right. Chris Jones. That's not what's out there. You don't find that in free agency unless you pay, you know, DeForest Buckner or Chris Jones money. And that's the purpose of spending big. People are obsessed with making sure you've got like, I I feel like some people's ideal roster is 22 guys, each of them making about six or seven mil a year. Right. My ideal roster is basically what the Chiefs have right now, where you're paying big money to Hill, Schwartz, Kelsey, Matthew, Mahomes, Chris Jones, Watkins, and guys who are worth it. Fisher, you know what? He's a good left tackle. That's worth big money, right? And you grab the guys because you can't just duplicate Eric Fisher's skill set. People that like, oh, he's kind of trash. No, he's not. If they had a trash left tackle, remember Barry Richardson people? Like, remember some of the really bad times? Those are the guys you pay because you can't duplicate it. You can't scheme them to success. You pay the guys that do things you cannot scheme, like win tons one-on-one like Chris Jones does. I can feel Nate about to hop in. One thing, as, as maybe a slight devil's advocate, though, if, if I can just, uh, something that, I, at least understanding that perspective, the one thing that does happen is, like, if you look at Eric Berry's deal, like, he earned that deal, and then he got cancer and mm-hmm. Achilles injuries and then had a bone growing out of his heel, and, and that's, like, the worst luck of any NFL player I've right. ever seen, right. ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, but, a star, from a star caliber place, yeah. Yes, on a contract like that, yes. Uh, and, and so whenever you, whenever you have that kind of money in a player and then he gets really physically unlucky, that's way harder than it would have been if that happened to one of your many mid-tier guys. You're paying right. three safeties with all that money. And I understand that. I just don't think that can be a predominant reason not to pay guys that you like again the chiefs got really unlucky eric berry got really unlucky in that regard i i don't think that's an argument against ever paying players big money because then you end up with that that perfectly mediocre roster that never actually you know equals the sum of its parts but but i do think that's probably most people's starting point in terms of that kind of budgeting the fun part of it for the chiefs right now is that all of those guys won together. And so there's an incentive for you to try to keep them together. And again, this goes back to Clark and the decisions that Bravich made. But I also think, too, like, you know, Bill Belichick has kind of gotten away with it. But we also forget that, okay, is that player you're thinking of, is that Malcolm Butler? Like, is that player, you know, Mike Vrabel? You know, like you're going to have to hit at a higher rate um, for those slightly above average players or like really consistent in their roles players versus the traditional model, which the NFL wants you to do if you're, you know, a decent franchise is, I don't know, draft good players, develop them to be really good players, let them get to star levels, and then you're supposed to pay your homegrown talent. Um, and and that's where Chris Jones is is an advantage to the team because he's already got four years of pretty successful built-in um, fondness to the organization, and the organization has now re- sort of reciprocated that. So um, 
there's a there's a place to be made. And look, the Chiefs are going to have to make a little bit of more of those moves in like 2023, 2024, because like Mahomes will obviously uh, he will be in his extension at that point. But for right now, this pretty much solidifies that the Chiefs will be much of the same team as the common fan recognizes them through the next two years, right? Uh, and that's and that's really what you care about if you're a championship aspiration. You know, if you're a franchise that wants championship aspirations, what does the next two years look like? Can we compete this year? And if not, then can we compete next year? Moving past three years in the NFL is like. I mean, that's a long way ahead unless you're, again, drafting a franchise quarterback. Um, but when you have the capability and the player wants to be on your team long term or to have some level of an extension, um, it makes sense for both parties. It makes sense for Chris Jones. It made sense for uh, Tyron Matthew. You know, you, you took some risk in signing him, but he wanted to prove himself and you were willing to give him an opportunity to replace Eric Berry. And through one year of that contract, that looks, you know, pretty good. And the exact opposite of what happened with Eric Berry, unfortunately, when he signed his deal. So you can never truly predict how it's going to go when you give out big money. But you try to take as much information as you can and use that for the next two to three years. Because, again, I don't think Chris Jones will get to his fourth year of his deal without there being some type of restructure or another extension of some kind to keep him on the roster or he may get cut um, for whatever reason to free up more cap space or because he wants to, you know, move on much like uh, Justin Houston. So there, there's a case to be made for all of this. But when you know you have a guy that's a pro bowler and he's been a pro bowler basically for two years, like why wouldn't you want to try to resign him if he wants to be on the team? One other thing, and then I do want to hear what you're thinking on that, Seth. But one other thing in, in that regard as well is, that whenever you have that kind of money and those kind of star power guys there, you can even draft a little bit differently. Like oftentimes, obviously, you're drafting for the future. But if you are drafting, you can kind of draft for depth a little bit, maybe not even in your first pick. But like they took Lucas Niang in the third round, a lesser team or a team that, say, wasn't paying Mitch Schwartz, you know, is drafting him to immediately step in and start. And how will that end up panning out? Or maybe you don't feel like you're able to draft, you know, a more developmental guy later on um, or even a, uh, a a luxury pick like a running back in the first round. You you can you can place your your bets a little bit differently with with the thought in mind that you don't necessarily you would love this, but you don't necessarily need more franchise changing stars as much as you need to make sure that that no weakness gets so exploited that it, it that it derails the whole train. I don't know how much that ends up coming into it because again, so many of these deals end every year, every two years, every three years. But it it, it does it it allows those guys to also step into different roles. Where, with the exception of a guy, I mean, look at McCole Hardman versus yep. Juan Thornhill. Dang it, you took my example. Yep. Yep. Oh man, yep. I was so ready to fire got, off my McCole Hardman takes. I'm glad. I'm glad I got there before you did. Too, <laughs> it, took, it took me a minute, but those guys were taken in the same round of the same year. Thornhill mm-hmm. needed to start. Hardman's got got some time to water that plant. Yep. I, I think both of you make really awesome points. I don't have a whole lot to add to them because they're really good points. And when you have those those fixture positions in place. And then you've got good coaching to kind of take care of some guys that maybe are a little more average, right? Mm-hmm. Or even if you want, you know, I, I hate using the word average, but that's a compliment at the NFL level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. we're still average. talking like the 
the top three percent of all football players on this here planet. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. No, top point zero zero one percent. It's crazy. Yeah. But like you take a look at like what Dan Sorensen does when he's put in a defense. Now he got asked to take on a little more of a role later on in the year, but even after Thornhill got hurt. Spagnolo, if you watch what he was having him do, that's why that's why you see some of the the weird things. Kendall Fuller playing various safety spots because Spagnolo knows, man, Dan Sorensen should not be in man coverage down the field because bad things happen, and and that's where you 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 can fill in the gaps. But the point is to not have huge gaps. The point is to have small gaps around these cornerstone players. And the Chiefs have that. They have that at so many positions for the next few years. And then, yes, they're going to have some tough decisions to make during, like, right after the 2021 season. But all these things, they're in this perfect position because not only are they, they got these guys locked up, but they've got various guys coming up. In like 21, then 22, then 23. And we've seen now with Mahomes and Jones and the things they've done the last few years, if you're stacking them up to where they're not every one of them hitting at once, you can handle a couple of contracts coming up at once. Correct. You can't handle like six. Correct. And so eventually they're going to have to let an elite player walk. Maybe. But for right now, what they're doing is they're choosing to keep elite talent. And it's just, it's such a crazy thing. And Hardman is a perfect example. He came in with a specific skill set. And he was able to just contribute so well that guys like me and, and you, Josh, are screaming they should use him more. Um, never mind, we've seen this work with Tyreek Hill. And I think, I'm telling you, do not sleep on McCole Hardman, dude. Don't do it, because that talent is crazy. But he was able to contribute instead of kind of being so many, so often you see rookies be kind of underwhelming, even if they're okay. But instead, you get a small dose, and it's really efficient. Yep. So, I mean, more power to them. They've done an incredible job. This roster is just stacked, man. One thing that you alluded to there, Seth, in terms of, like, there are some harder decisions coming. You mentioned with guys coming up on their deals, like with, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew and, and Travis Kelsey, both, and Mitchell Schwartz also, if he wants to keep playing, all seeming like guys that are going to, they're going to all need new deals soon, or they're going to end up somewhere else soon what better time than this than to, to look at the cap in the long run and say, hey, guys, we would love to extend you before you actually have to be playing, you know, on the last year of your deal. Yep. We're, here's what we're going to see is we're going to offer. We're going to we're going to get you your signing bonus. If you want it, we're going to get you that front end money. We're going to we're going to prorate that your base salary in 2022 is going to be pretty small. And then in 2023, where we currently have four dudes on the cap, then we're going to pay you a little bit more because we think that there's going to be TV money then as well. Like. All, all of these things that I think people keep expecting there to be some sort of other shoe to drop on, on the Chiefs, I don't think is coming because I think they've built in kind of reset points and, and then eventually someone retires, you know, like that, that's whenever the Chiefs will lose Mitchell Schwartz, an elite player, whenever he retires. Hopefully not soon, but that's when that's going to happen, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Very fair. Very fair. And, and if you can stagger these guys along those lines in a, in a synchronized manner, um, it, it's incentivized for them to stay in a place where they know that they can be successful. That is the yeah. advantage that the Chiefs have also to other NFL teams, where if you go from one team to the next, you, you're, you are placing a level of faith that you're just not sure how it's going to all come into place unless you are really confident about the role you have and maybe where the team is headed. But But for a team like the Chiefs or the Patriots in the past, um, you know, there are there are teams out there that just have an, an inherited advantage just because 
there's sustained success and there's a reason mm-hmm. to believe that that will continue based on the coach, the quarterback, and the how the front office has managed its cap over the you know the last ever however many years. Yeah. Um, we're coming up on an hour. We're not going to give Matt Moore, you know, a full specialty episode. I do apologize to Matt Moore. Do you guys want to get off 30-second takes on Matt Moore getting uh, re-signed? I thought, honestly, that I saw Matt Moore's final NFL game in the Super Bowl, and I remember having really earnest conversations with him. Because um, I, I wrote about Matt Moore and his relationship with Damian the week of the Super Bowl, and part of why I wanted to do that beyond the the – the, the the big storyline was just like I just me and Matt just thought like this is it and it was kind of yeah. cool to go along with them and be like hey man you're gonna suit up on Sunday and how cool is it that hey you're you're maybe your last NFL game is is in the Super Bowl where your career you know sort of sustained itself so for him to come back is is interesting he does know the offense he's obviously good in the film room uh, if you watch the NFL films. Uh, mic'd up version of the Super Bowl. He was he. I thought he played a really interesting role for Mahomes in terms of keeping him uh, aware of just what was at stake in the second half and not getting too high, not getting too low, but just staying on task. So Matt Moore has clear value. It makes sense uh, for him to be back just in case you have injuries or I don't know. People unfortunately may contract this virus. Yeah. Um, and so it, it makes sense for him to be here. It's on a veterans minimum deal so it, it makes sense for both parties obviously um but yeah matt moore good dude glad to see he's still employed um i i'm right there with you moore played a very underrated role last year now it, it obviously was helped a ton by andy reed being a genius um <laughs> and hey, you know that that helps Obviously, but he did a great job. He, he kept a clear head. He stayed calm. The guys rallied behind him and he did his job and good for him. And so with him and Henny, you've got two guys that if, you know, some, you know, if Mahomes goes down for a couple of weeks for whatever reason, stuff happens um, or even three or four weeks, you know, once you start getting to like five or six weeks, I'm like, oh, OK, let's just try to make the playoffs and see what happens. Right. Um, you you're comfortable that they can win more games than they lose. Right. Yep. And that's 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 all you're asking. Right. It's not you're not asking someone to step in and be Patrick Holmes. So now you got two guys who can do that. And it does really show. And, you know, it's it, you got to address this stuff no matter what they do in terms of planning. Players are going to contract COVID-19. It's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. They, that, that's just inevitable. And so they, it shows some planning for long term like okay if someone contracts it even if best case scenario they do just fine and they're asymptomatic they're going to need to be quarantined for a couple weeks and so we need to have an extra quarterback who's probably attending meetings by zoom is my guess yeah yeah that was that was rumored a little bit i think that's totally reasonable because like you mentioned you know you, you always have a quarterback, a backup quarterback for injuries, but injuries aren't contagious. And if you have a if you have a, a quarterback room get sick, then now we're watching Anthony Sherman play quarterback for for four quarters. And I actually do need that now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, <That's> yeah. <laughs> you talked me into it midway through yeah, there. I really, did. I really do have foresight there. I, I did want to touch on just the one more thing with what you guys had said about you know the relationship with the players. You don't see players like loving where they're at 
at the in the NFL the way you're seeing it with the Chiefs right now. Yeah, uh, money rules almost everything with free agent decisions, and it should. But there are the odd guys here and there. We saw it with the Patriots for years. Anytime there was a desirable free agent that was looking to get a ring, everyone's like, "Oh, they're going with the Patriots." Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a little bit different now. Yep. Uh, my very last thing before I kick it over to uh, to the, the the full end of the show. If you're hearing about what Nate is writing, what Seth is writing, you're like, man, I wish I was subscribed to The Athletic. I've got great news. You can be. You go to theathletic.com slash times hours or, or times sours, either way, and you can get 40% off your first year if you go there, and you can uh, get everything across the entire athletic network. It's unbelievable. It's a great deal. Theathletic.com slash times ours. But these podcasts are free for everybody. So if you're listening right now, uh, go leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and it'll help more people find the show, which means we keep doing the show. We could do it more often. We can do two hour episodes. That's not, that's not true. I think eventually, <laughs> I think eventually someone would tell us to stop doing that. Uh, but it really is genuinely helpful to, to get a review on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you can review the show and help it climb up the charts a little bit, help new people find it. Also, my last thing is that the Tennessee Titans signed Derrick Henry today and are now tweeting about running it back. And <sighs> hey, guys, that's not yours. <laughs> you can't. <sighs> you can't have that one, Titans. We're, like, are, are, are we running out of ideas already this offseason? Like, yeah, eh. like, <laughs> like, like, there's, there's got to be like they didn't win. They didn't win the Super Bowl, which so I feel like you can't. And someone else took this already. Hey, just fi- hey, Titans. Hey, guys. Just find a new one. Just get a new slogan. Like anything else. Tighten up. Tighten up is great. Just say tighten up. Anyway. He re-ups to uh, tighten up. Come on. Like how hard is this? How hard is this? He re-ups. Tighten up. Tighten up. It sounds good. What are we doing? Tighten up is great. <sighs> Run it back is not yours. You can follow me on Twitter at by Nate Taylor. You can follow Steph at Real MN Chiefs fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. Follow all of us there. And uh, hashtag tighten up. Nate, how does the show end today? I just want to let everybody know that as we get ready to start an unprecedented NFL season in a couple weeks, everybody on the Chiefs is back, and you can now um, try to get Arrowhead to be called Sex Panther Stadium. You know what? If you, I don't care how you feel about the Chiefs changing their names. If you have a chance for them to be the Kansas City Sex Panthers and you're against that, you're the worst. I, that's, I'm sorry. I'm, you know what? I'm not sorry. Be cooler. <laughs>